0: Chapter Twelve of South Sea Idols by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve My South Sea Show. High in her lady's chamber sat Gail, looking with calm eyes through the budding maples across the hills of spring. Her letter was but half finished and the village post was even then ready. So she woke out of her reverie, and ended the writing as follows. Spring, uh, blank, I know not where you may be at this moment, living with what South Sea island god, drinking the milk of coconut, and eating breadfruit. But wherever you are, forget not your promise to come home again, bringing your sheaves with you." Anon she sealed it and mailed it, and it was hurried away over land and sea, till after many days it found me drinking my cocoa milk and refreshing myself with breadfruits. Anon I replied to her, not on the green enamel of a broad leaf, with a thorn stylet, but upon the blank margins of Gale's letter with my last half inch of pencil. I said to her summer blank. By and by I will come to you, when the evenings are very long, and the valley is still. I will cross the lawn in silence, and stand knocking at the south entry. Deborah will open the door to me with fear and trembling, for I shall be sunburnt and brawny, with a baby cannibal under each arm. Then, at a word, a tattooed youngster shall reach her a Tahitian pearl, and I will cry, Give it to Mistress Gale whereat Deborah will willingly withdraw, leaving me motionless in the dead leaves by the south entry. You will take the token, dear Gail, and know it as the symbol of my return. You will come and greet us, and lead us to the best chamber, and we will feast with you as long as you like, I and my cannibals. I was never quite sure of what Gail said to my letter, but I knew her for a true soul so I gathered my cannibals under my metaphorical wings, and journeyed unto the village, and came into it at sunset, while it was autumn. We passed over the lawn in silence, and stood knocking at the south entry, in real earnest. Deborah came at last, and the little striped fellow bore aloft his pearl of Tahitian beauty, while I gave my message, and Deborah was terrified, and thought she was dreaming." but she took the pearl and went and we stood in the keen air of autumn and my south sea babies were very cold and moaned pitifully under my arms and the little pearl bearer shivered in all his stripes and capered in the dead leaves like an imp of darkness then gail came to us and let us in and we camped by the great fire in the sitting-room while deborah brought bowls of new milk for the little ones and was wonderfully amazed at their quaintness and beauty but quite failed to affiliate with my striped pearl-bearer so i said sit you down deborah and hear the true story of my zebra Gail had already captured the bronze babies, and was helping them with their bowls of milk, as they nestled at her feet, and I took my striped beauty between my knees, and stroked his soft wool, and told how he saved me from a watery death, and again from the fiery stake, and was doubly dear to me for evermore. We were at the island of Potaboki getting water and fruit, had stacked the last sack of mangoes and limes in the boat, and were off for the ship, glad to escape with our scalps, when a wave took us amidships on the reef, and we swamped in the dreadful spume. Some were drowned, some clung to the boat, though it was stove badly, while relief came from the vessel as quickly as possible, and the fragments were gathered out of the waves and taken aboard. They thought themselves lucky to escape with the remnants, for they knew the natives for cannibals, and the shore was black and noisy within ten minutes after the accident. It looked stormy in that neighborhood, hence the caution and haste of the relief crew, who left me for drowned, I suppose, as they never came after me, but spread everything and went out of sight before dark that evening.' i was no swimmer at all but i kicked well and was about diving the fatal dive last of three warnings that seemed providentially allotted the luckless soul in its extremity i was just upon the third sinking when a tough little arm gripped me under the breast and i hung over it limp and senseless knowing nothing further of my deliverance until i found myself a captive in kabbalah a heathenish sort of paradise, a little way back from the sea-coast. The natives had given up all hope of feasting upon me, for there wasn't a respectable stake in my whole carcass, nor was my appetite promising. So they resolved to make a bonfire of me, to get me out of the way. But that tough little arm that saved me from an early grave in the water was husband to a tough little heart that resolved I should not be burned i was his private and personal property he had fished me out of the sea he would cook me in his own style when he got ready and no one else was to have a word in the matter there he showed me his royal blood deborah for he was the king's son this marvelous tattooing proclaims his rank only the noble and brave are permitted to brand these rainbows into their brown skins I was almost frightened when I first returned to consciousness, and saw this little fellow pawing me in his tender and affectionate way. He was lithe as a panther, and striped all over with brilliant and changeless stripes, so I called him my boy zebra, and I suppose he called me his white mouse, or something of that sort well he saved me at all events and having heard something of you and gail from me he wanted to see you very much and we made our escape together though he had to sacrifice all his bone jewelry and lots of skulls and scalps and here he is and you must like him deborah because he is a little heathen and doesn't go to sabbath school as a general thing and worships idols very badly Deborah did me the compliment to absorb a tear in the broad hem of her apron, at the conclusion of my episode, whereat my beautiful zebra regarded her in utter amazement, then turned his queer face, ringed, streaked, and striped, up to mine, and laughed his barbaric laugh. He was wonderful to see, with his breast like a pigeon, his round, supple, almost voluptuous limbs, peculiar to his amphibious tribe his head crowned with a turban of thick wool so fine and flossy it looked as though it had been carded it stood two inches deep at a tangent from his oval pate from his woolly crown to the soles of his feet my zebra was frescoed in the most brilliant and artistic fashion every color under the sun seemed pricked into his skin there he discounted the zebras who are limited in their combinations of light and shade this, together with the multiplicity of figures therein wrought, was a never failing joy to me. Oh, my zebra, how did you ever grow so splendid off yonder in the South Seas? We chatted that evening by Gale's fire till my zebra's woolly head went clean to the floor, and he looked like some prostrate idol about to be immolated on that Christian hearth, and the baby cannibals were as funny as two little brown rabbits with their ears clipped, nestling at Gale's patient feet. IT WAS FULLY NINE O'CLOCK BY THIS TIME, SO DEBORAH GOT THE BIBLE, SMOOTHED OUT HER APRON, AND OPENED IT THEREON WHILE SHE READ A CHAPTER. WE SAT BY THE FIRE AND LISTENED. I HEARD THE EARNEST VOICE OF THE READER WHILE THE AUTUMN WINDS ROSE IN GUSTS, AND PUFFED OUT THE CURTAINS NOW AND THEN. I THOUGHT OF THE CHILLY NIGHTS AND FROSTY MORNINGS WE WERE TO ENDURE, WE EXILES OF THE SOUTH. I THOUGHT OF THE SNOWS THAT WERE TO FOLLOW and of the little idolaters sleeping through the gospel with deaf ears while their hearts panted high in some dream of savage joy there was a big bed made up on the floor of my room the best chamber at gale's and there i laid out my little pets "'tucking them in with infinite concern, "'for they looked so like three diminutive mummies "'as they lay there, "'that I didn't know whether they would think it worth while "'to wake up again into life. "'And what would I be worth, then, without my wild boys? "'I who was born, by some mischance, "'out of my tropical element, "'and whose birthright is Polynesia?' Gail laughed when she saw me fretting so,' and she patted the curly heads of the babies and stroked the zebra's shaggy pate and said good-night to us as her step measured the hall and a door closed in the distance whereupon instead of freezing in the icy linen of the spare bed at the other end of the room i crept softly into the nest of cannibals and we slept like kittens until morning at a seasonable hour the next day, I got my jewels, my little inhuman jewels, into their thick winter clothes again, and we trotted down to breakfast, as hungry as bears. Deborah was good enough to embrace both the little ones, but she gave the zebra a wide berth and was not entirely satisfied at leaving him loose in the house. He was rather odd looking, I confess. He used to curl up under the table and go to sleep, at all hours of the day. I think it was the cold weather that encouraged him in it, stretching him now and then like a spaniel, and showing his sharp saw-teeth in a queer way, when he laughed in his dreams. Presently Gail came in, and we sat at table, and came near to eating her out of house and home." deborah said grace rather a long one considering we were so hungry a grace in which my babies were not forgotten and the zebra was made the subject of a special prayer to my horror zebra was helping himself surreptitiously to the nearest dish the while it was a merry meal i rose in the midst of it and laid before gale an enormous placard printed in as many colors as even the zebra could boast and Gale read it out to Deborah. Jenkins Hall, immense attraction for one night only. Hokey and Pokey, a brace of South Sea babies from the ancient rivers of Cabalacum, and the wonderful boy Zebra, a cannibal prince from the palmy plains of Porokoki, in their grand moral diversion. The first and only opportunity is now afforded the great public to observe with safety how the heathen in his blindness bows down to wood and stone. These are the only original and genuine representatives of the Kabalakumstis and Podobokis that ever left their coral strand. Admission, blank, children, half price deborah was awed into silence and gail was apparently thinking over the possible result of this strange advertisement for she said nothing but took deliberate sips of coffee and broke the dry toast between her fingers while she looked at all four of us savages in a peculiar and ominous manner Nothing was said, however, to disparage any further announcement of the entertainment. And having appeased our hunger, we adjourned to the reading of another chapter, during which the South Sea babies would play Cat's Cradles under Gail's writing-table, and the zebra put his foot into the middle of her work-basket, and was very miserable indeed. My hands were full of business. As an impresario I had to rush about all day mustering the great public for the evening. Out I went, full of it, while the bronze midges were left in charge of Gale and Deborah, and the zebra was locked in an upper room, with plenty to eat, and no facilities for getting into mischief. I saw the leading men in town, the preacher, who was deeply interested, proposing to take up a collection on the next Sabbath for our benefit, which proposition I received with a graceful acquiescence peculiarly my own. The professor at the seminary, who was less affable, but whose pupils were radiant at the prospect of getting into the cannibals at reduced rates, and the editor who desired to print full biographies of myself and cannibals with portraits and facsimile of autographs. He strongly urged the plausibility of this new method of winning the heart of the great public, and was willing to take my note for thirty days, in consideration of his personal friendship for me, and his sympathy as a public man, "'and a member of the press, with the show-business. "'Everything worked so nicely that it really seemed quite providential that I had come, "'as I had, like anything, in the night, noiseless and unheralded. "'Everything was in good order, and after our late dinner, "'I went out again to finish for the evening, portioning off my charges as before, "'and returning at the last moment to bring them up to the hall for their debut.' But, judge of my horror at finding my zebra stretched upon the floor of his room, quite insensible, and all this time Jenkins' hall was thronged with the great public, who had come to see us bow down to wood and stone. I was greatly alarmed. What could this sudden attack mean? He was not subject to disorders of that nature. At least I had never seen him in a similar condition. The little fellows began to cry in their peculiar fashion, which is simply raising the voice to the highest and shrillest pitch, and then shaking to an unlimited degree. Gale was by no means charmed at these new developments, and Deborah fled from the room in a moment. The cause of our trouble was disclosed; Gale's cologne bottles were exhumed from under the bed, but quite empty their contents had been imbibed by the zebra in an extemporaneous bacchanalian festival tendered to himself by himself in honour of the occasion it was useless to borrow further trouble so i prepared my apology the sudden indisposition peculiar to young cannibals during the early stages of a public and Christian career had quite prostrated the representative from many a palmy plain, and the South Sea babies would endeavor to fill the vacancy caused by his absence with several new and interesting features not set down in the bills. I was most cordially received by the audiences, and the little midgets danced their weird and fantastic dances in the least possible clothing imaginable, and sang their love lyrics and chanted their passionate war chants, and gave the funeral wail in a manner that reflected the highest credit upon their respective South Sea papas and mamas. I considered it an entire success, and pocketed the proceeds with considerable satisfaction but to return to my poor little zebra his cologne spree had been quite too much for him he was mentally and physically demoralized and could be of no use to me professionally for a week at least i at once saw this and as i had two or three engagements during that time i begged gail to allow him to remain with her during his convalescence while i went on with the babies and fulfilled my engagements she consented deborah also promised to be very good to him i think she took a deeper interest in him when she found how very human he was a fact she did not fully realize until he took to drinking on we went through three little villages and three little valleys with crowded houses every evening Delighted and enthusiastic audiences wanted the midgets passed round, just as we passed the bone fish-hooks and shark's-teeth combs for inspection. About this time I received a short and decisive epistle from Gale, an immediate summons home. The zebra, in an unwatched moment, had got into the kerosene, and was considered no longer a welcome guest at Gale's. Deborah was praying with him daily, which didn't seem to have the desired effect, for he was growing worse and worse every hour. There were at least seven towns anxiously awaiting my South Sea lecture, with the heathen in his blindness attachment. Yet it was out of the question to think of pressing on in my tour, thereby sacrificing my poor zebra, and possibly Gale as well. I feared it was already too late to save him for i knew the nature of his ailment and foresaw the almost inevitable result when we returned gail met us with tears in her eyes and furrows of care foreshadowed in her face i felt how great a responsibility i had shifted upon her shoulders and accused myself roundly for such selfishness The babes rushed into her arms with the first impulse of love, and refused to allow her out of their sight again for some hours. Deborah was even then wrestling with the angels up in Zebra's room, and I waited until she came down, with her eyes red and swollen, a bottle of physic in one hand and a Bible in the other. Then I went in to my poor, thin, shadowy little zebra, who was wild-eyed and nervous, and scarcely knew me at first, but went off into hysterics the moment he found me out, to make up for it. He had had no opportunity of speaking to any one, save in his broken English, for several days, and he rushed into a torrent of ejaculations, so violent and confusing, that I was thoroughly alarmed at his condition." presently he grew quieter from sheer exhaustion and then i learned how he had taken deborah's well-intended efforts toward his spiritual conversion he believed her praying him to death deborah knew nothing of the sensitive organism of these islanders when moved by a spirit of revenge they threaten one another with prayers incantations are performed and sacrifices offered under which fearful spells the unhappy victim of revenge cannot think of surviving so he lies down and dies without pain or any effort on his part and all your physic is like so much water administer it in what proportions you choose I went into the garden where I saw Gail under the maples, the very maples that were budding in pink and white, when she wrote me the letter bidding me come out of the south, bringing my sheaves with me. The animated sheaves were even then swinging on the clotheslines and taking life easily. "'Gail!' I said. "'Oh, Gail, the zebra is a dead boy!' Gail was shocked and silent. I told her how useless, how hopeless it was to think of saving him. All the doctors and all the medicines in the world were a fallacy, where the soul was overshadowed with a malediction. Gail, I said, that zebra says he wants to be an angel, and he couldn't possibly have decided upon anything more unreasonable than this. What shall I do without my zebra? And I walked off by myself and felt desperately, while Gail was wrapped in thought and the babes continued to do inexpressible things on the clothes-lines, to the intense admiration of three small boys on the other side of the garden fence. The doctor had already been called, and the physic that Deborah carried about with her was a legitimate draft prescribed by him. Little did he know of the death-angel that walks hand-in-hand with a superstition as antique as Mount Ararat. So, day by day, the little zebra grew more and more slender, till his frail, striped skeleton stretched itself in a hollow of the bed, and great, gleaming eyes watched me as they would devour me with deathless and passionate love. Sometimes his soul seemed to steal out of his withering body and make mysterious pilgrimages into its native clime. I heard him murmuring and muttering in a language unfamiliar to me i remembered that the chiefs had a dialect of their own a vocabulary so sacred and secret that no commoner ever dared to study out its meaning this i took to be his classical and royal tongue for he was of the best blood of the kingdom and a king's heir deborah at the delicate suggestion of gail discontinued her visitations to his chamber as it seemed to excite him so sadly but her earnest soul never rested from prayer in his behalf till his last breath was spent and his splendid stripes grew livid for a moment and seemed to change like the dolphins before their waning glories were faded out in the lifeless flesh one twilight i took the midgets into the darkened room They scarcely knew the thin, drawn face with the slender, wiry fingers locked over it, but they recognized the death-stroke with prophetic instinct, and, crouching at the foot of the bed, rocked their dusky bodies to and fro, to and fro, wailing the death-wail for zebra. Then I longed for wings to fly away with my savage brood away over mountains and seas, till the palms waved again their phantom crests in the mellow starlight, and the sea moaned upon the reef, and the rivulet leaped from crag to crag through silence and shadow, where death seemed but a grateful sleep, for the soul that dawned in that quiet life had never known the wear and tear of this one, but was patient and peaceful, and ready at any hour of summons. Dear Gale strove to comfort me in my tribulation, but the great public went its way and knew nothing of the young soul that was passing in speedy death. Yet the great public was my guide, philosopher, and friend. I could do nothing without its sanction and cooperation. I basked in its smiles. I trembled at the thoughts of its displeasure. And now death was robbing me of my hard-earned riches and annihilating my best attraction. No wonder I fretted myself and berated my ill-fortune. Poor Gail had her hands full to keep me within bounds. I rushed to the zebra's room and vowed to him that if he wouldn't die just yet, I would take him home at once to his kingdom, and we'd always live there and die there by and by, when we were full of years. Alas! it was too late. I want to be an angel," reiterated my zebra, his thin face brightening with an unearthly light. To be an angel," whispered that faint and failing voice, while his humid eyes glowed like twin moons sinking in the far, mystical horizon of the new life he was about to enter upon. I struggled with him no longer. I bowed down by his pillow and pressed the shadowy form of my once beautiful zebra. Well, be an angel, little prince, said I, be anything you please now, for I have done my best to save you and failed utterly. So he passed hence to his destiny and his nation wept not, neither wore they sashes upon their foreheads nor burned seams in their flesh, for they knew not of his fate but there was a small grave digged in the orchard and at dusk i carried the coffin in my arms thither how light it was he could have borne me upon his brawny shoulders once strong as a lion's gail cried and deborah cried and i was quite beside myself The mites of cannibals ate earth and ashes, and came nearly naked to the obsequies, refusing to wear their jackets, though the air was frosty, and the night promised snow. We knelt there to cover Zebra for the last time, crying and shivering, and feeling very, very miserable. I took a little rest from business after that, seeing, meantime, a stone cut in this manner, Here lies, in this far land, a prince of the savage south, and the last of his tribe. But life called me into the arena again. A showman has little time to waste in mourning over his losses, however serious they may be. One frosty evening I got my brace of cannibals into the lumbering ambulance that constituted my caravan, with our boxes of war-clubs and carved whale's teeth Flashed on behind us, plenty of buffalo robes around us, and a layer of hot bricks underfoot, and so we started for our next scene of action. The inexorable calls of the profession forbade our lingering longer under Gale's hospitable roof, and it was not without pangs of inexpressible sorrow that we turned from her door and knew not if we were ever again to enjoy the pure influences of her household my heart warmed toward poor disconsolate deborah in that moment and i forgave her all which was the most christian act i ever yet performed As we rode down the lane, I caught a glimpse of the low mound in the orchard, and I buried my little barbarians under my great-coat, so as to spare them a fresh sorrow, while I thought how, spring after spring, that little grave would be covered with drifts of pale apple-blossoms, and in the long winters it would be hidden under the paler drifts of snow.' when it should be strewn with sea-shells and laid away under a cactus hedge in a dense and fragrant shade. And I gathered my little ones closer to me and said in my soul, "Oh, if the august public could only know them as I know them, it would doubt us less and love us more. The zebra is gone indeed, but my babes are here, fresh souls and perfect bodies, like rare ripe fruits, untouched as yet, with the nap and the dew upon them. The stars sparkled and flashed in the cloudless sky as we hurried over the crisp ground, a little bereaved benighted company of South Sea strollers who ask your charity and give their best in return for it. I have told you of my South Sea show, You may yet have an opportunity of judging how you like it, provided my baby heathens don't insist upon turning into angels before their time, after the manner of the lamented zebra. In the meantime, the dread of this not improbable curving of my high career is but one of the sorrows of a South Sea showman. End of chapter 12